Thank you so much for joining us online today at Christ Covenant Church. We hope you sense God's presence and are encouraged by the message. Now, here's Pastor Ryan Weems. What's up, Christ Covenant? It's so good to see you here in the room, and we got people joining us online as well. Man, I'm excited for our series on relationships that begins today. And honestly, I think we need to start this morning, uh, really kind of early afternoon here, by just talking about that video with the little animations there. Maybe you noticed it, maybe you got here early to try to grab a sweater, what's left at least, and, and maybe even saw our countdown. Uh, but those little animations, they're funny to me uh, for multiple reasons. But number one, really, is I think every married couple here in this service, uh, you have had at least one fight over stupid little stuff like that. Like, let's just be honest, okay? You fought over, just like my wife, and I, hey, whose turn is it to do the dishes? And it seems like every married couple, there's one person that likes to let the dishes soak. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not ignoring them. They're just soaking, right? Thank you, Eric, for being honest in God's house, right? It's just how it is. And, and you got the different things there. And especially that thermostat, man, there's been a lot of heated arguments over that. I'm hot. She's cold. I got a tank top on and shorts and she's wearing a Snuggie, you know, it's like different climates for both of us. And uh, my wife and I, we've had those intense arguments on those different things, like every married couple. But one thing, I'm glad we've settled this in our hearts. My wife's right here on the front row in the middle. I'm glad that God has spoken to us when it involves the toilet paper roll, okay? Like, God, we have heard from God. And, and I don't know if you know this, but this is important that I say this right at the top. The way that God has ordained you to hang your toilet paper is over and not under. Do you agree with me? Would you wave a hand at me? Okay. Now, there's some of you that are not on that, you know, they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm telling you, you need to hear from God. In fact, at the end of this service, we're going to have a prayer team up here at the front. They would love to pray for you. It's, it's over and not under, baby. I'm just letting you know. But, but you've got things like that. And, and oftentimes, it's not the big things. It can be the stupid little things that we fight over. And, and we're going to have a lot of fun today, a lot of fun in this series, even Super Bowl Sunday, next Sunday, you know, wear your favorite jersey. Doesn't have to even be football. I ain't rooting for either of those teams, you know, but wear, you know, a Houston jersey, especially our Strohs. We want to represent them this next Sunday, and we'll do lots of stuff for that and then also throughout this series. But what we're going to do is we're going to look every single week at God's Word, and that's normal for us, but the focus is going to be love, sex, and relationships. So I said this last Sunday, I'll say it again this Sunday that every single message, a little bit today, but especially the following messages throughout this month, they're gonna be spicy, okay? They're gonna be PG-13. And so I wanna encourage you. We have, and honestly, it's top of the line. We have an incredible children's ministry here. Take full advantage of that. We background check all the volunteers. We make sure there's safety there. And we're not just watching them. We are ministering to them, even our babies. The teachers, they pray over them when they're changing their diapers, for example. We do worship and message, all that kind of stuff, but in a kid-friendly way. So take advantage. You have been warned, <laughs> all right? And so we're going to talk about that stuff because God's Word talks about that. And one of the passions that I have, not just in this series, but really, and God really has brought this to the surface a lot lately, um, but not only do I want to preach God's word to you, I also want to add value to your life and give you um, handles, like practical takeaways what you, where you can apply God's word to your everyday life. So it's not just, oh, that felt good or that sounded good, but I have no idea how to live that out. I want to preach to you and give you things from God's word that you can actually apply to your everyday 
life. And so we want to add value to your godly relationships. And so one of the ways that we're doing that, just even outside, it's a part of the series, but outside of the messages, is this Friday. Somebody say this Friday. This Friday, we are offering a free, like a parent's night out. And so married couples, listen up. You can, before the mad dash on Tuesday, right? Not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday for Valentine's Day. Before all that happens, you can have a night on the town with your spouse, okay? Now, you got to pay for the date, but we'll pay for the child care, all right? Uh, we'll entertain them. We're going to feed them. It ain't going to be healthy. It's going to be pizza, but we're going to feed them. And then you can pick them up at 9 o'clock, at 6.30 to 9 o'clock this Friday. And then they're going to go home and they're going to sleep well in Jesus' name, okay? And so it's going to be awesome. And we're going to bring inflatables in, all that kind of stuff. And so I want to encourage you. Now, now it, this was uh, several days ago. I got the numbers on it. It's almost, it had already almost filled up because it's free. And again, it's a resource. I don't honestly know if there's spots left. But why not try to get in right now just in case it's filled up because it was almost full because we have a certain cutoff for that to make sure we hit the ratios that we want to hit for safety and accountability and all that good stuff. And so ChristCub.net, you'll find Parents Night Out. Again, all throughout this series, we want to add value to you. Now today, part one, relationship goals. We're going to cover a lot of ground fast. And specifically, we're going to talk about singleness and also marriage. And so no matter what relationship status you have, you can get something out of today and then, of course, every other week. But singleness and marriage is going to be our topics. And believe it or not, whether your relationships are great or not, you will walk away encouraged because our God specializes, church, in healing broken hearts. And if you believe it, would you say amen with me? It's what he does. And so if you have a Bible or you version Bible app, Turn with me, I'm going to go there with you, to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, I say this every week, we got a couple of Bibles in the back. We also, one new thing that we added is we've got notebooks for you. They're free. I always encourage you to take notes in church, and these are real thin, nice. They've got lines, all that good stuff. Notebooks in the back. We've got pens back there. The reason why I tell you that, by the way, is you are, as studies prove this, you are four times more likely to remember this message. If you take notes. And so I could take that in a negative way, but y'all know me, I'm a glass half full kind of person. I'm like, well, let's just help you resource. And so write down a couple of things today and you'll be more likely to remember it and apply it to your life. But Genesis chapter two, verse 15, if you didn't want to move to the back, if you didn't bring a Bible, it'll be on the screen in the room and online. But here's what it says. And I'm going to read on the NIV. Genesis two, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, that's Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. Now hit pause for a moment, so we get this picture of the original person, the original man, Adam, and Adam is taking care of the Garden of Eden. He's, he's working it. Really, he's managing creation and what God has done there. And, and one of the things that Adam has to do of taking care of it, and you'd read this if you kept reading next, is Adam is actually the one that names the animals. And that's a big job. There's a lot of animals out there. And so Adam, I love this. He, he had some creative names he came up with, right? Like hippopotamus. That, that's a name right there. But Adam also phoned it in on a couple of ones, you know, he's, he saw a bird and he was like, it's blue. 
bluebird, right? <laughs> like, like, let's just be honest, some creative, some not so creative. But Adam's there and he's, he's working it. He's, he's naming the animals. And then God, you'd find this out next, like God puts him asleep, a spiritual anesthesia. And God puts him to sleep and God performs the first ever recorded surgery. How many of y'all know if you can pick any surgeon, you want God doing the surgery, right? So he's asleep. God performs a spiritual, physical surgery on him, takes a rib out of his side, and that's how God, what God uses to create Eve. So Adam comes to, and he is not alone anymore. It's not just him and Fido, right? Like he's got a person there, a woman. Let's pick up in verse 23, still chapter two. This is now, this is Adam talking. He is excited, okay? You can see that here. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man, woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and, the, and they become one flesh. Someone shout one. one. They become one flesh. Verse 25, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Men, look me in the eyes for a moment. Listen up to this, okay? Some of you have been looking, men, you've been looking for a life verse, something that you could rally around. Look no farther. Adam was with his wife and they were naked and there was no shame. That's your verse, baby. <laughs> that's all I got today, by the way. Thank you so much. Be blessed. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's a great verse. Some of you are gonna get that tattooed on your body. You're like, I like that, man. That's awesome. They were naked and they felt no, no shame. We're gonna have a lot of fun in this series. You're gonna laugh a lot, but you're also gonna learn a lot. So keep the Bible open. Once you close your eyes with me, bow your heads. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that your word is alive and it is active. And thank you that you are not silent on issues like marriage and singleness and, and even divorce. God, thank you that you are not silent on, on sex and love and these topics that maybe we feel a little bit uncomfortable in church, but God, if your word talks about it, we should talk about it in your house. And so I pray, God, that not just today, but every single week, you would speak to us, you would change us and, and just really transform our lives. I pray for those that they feel like the relationships are going great, and I also pray for those that feel like the relationships are in shambles. I pray, God, that you would speak, speak to me and through me for your people. God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and if you agree with me, would you say amen? Amen. amen. So be it. You know, there's so much that we can learn from the first two people on planet Earth, Adam and Eve, and honestly, like I've been saying all morning long, all early afternoon, there's, there's really doesn't matter what season of life you're in, what your relationship status is, there's something you can apply today. And for starters, here's the first takeaway from the passage. I could talk about a lot, but I wanna highlight a couple of things. And this will apply to those especially who are single or single again. So write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, you should still write this down. Number one, before you find the person find your purpose. That's some good preaching right there. Before you find the person, find your purpose. I don't care who you are, that is good foundational truth right there. And so visualize what's happening in this original creation here, what's going on with Adam. Adam is in paradise. And way before Eve comes onto the scene, Adam first had a job. He's working. 
Like, he's got a job. Let all the women say amen, right? Like, Adam, is, is, he's doing that job. And ladies, just free advice. You didn't ask for it, but you're going to get it, okay? Free advice, ladies. If you're thinking about dating a man, make sure that man has a job. Y'all heard me? Like, like, make sure, oh, he's in between jobs right now. Wait till he gets that job, okay? Adam had a job, and, and honestly... It went way beyond just a job, just a nine-to-five thing. It really even wasn't a job. It was a purpose, a purpose. And this is so big. In fact, I hope you'll write this down. Not a slide for this, but very, very important. Adam's purpose was to glorify God. It's why he was created, to glorify God. And he did that. This is what it looked like practically by honoring and obeying God. So as Adam honored and obeyed God, not what Adam wanted to do, But what God wanted Adam to do, as he honored and obeyed God, that's how he fulfilled his purpose, and that's how he glorified God. And so, because God wanted him to, what did Adam do? He took care of the garden. He managed the creation that God had had for him, and he named the animals. He had a purpose. And this is so big. Single, single again. People, please hear this. This is huge. I've had way too many conversations with single people, and it goes like this. You know what, Pastor? Once I find the one, then I'll be satisfied. Pastor, once I find that woman, that right woman, then I'll be satisfied. Pastor, once I find that right man, and he's got the right kind of money in his bank account, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be satisfied. And this is the agenda that the world's trying to give us, but this is not what God says. Way before Eve was there, Adam was there, and he had a purpose. You don't wait to find the person and then find the purpose. That's backwards. Doesn't work like that. You find the purpose first. Hear me. You were all, just like Adam, just like Eve, you were all created by God for a divine purpose. Like, think about it like this. There was something that God wanted done in your family, in your neighborhood, in this city, at your job, at your school, with someone you would come into contact with now or later in the world. There was something that God wanted to accomplish and therefore he said, I'm gonna make you to fulfill that. There's a purpose on your life. Whether you believe that or not, I'm hoping you'll catch up to speed here with God's word and start believing it today. You are not an accident. In fact, some of you, let's just be honest. Your parents told you a long time ago that you were an accident there was an accidental pregnancy and boop there you were right and they joked about it a little bit but it but it hurts you and you've been thinking about that even now and you've got your own kids maybe but it's something you go back to constantly and I just want to tell you hear this and this is on behalf of the Lord I feel it's this strong that you were not an accident with God maybe mom and dad didn't plan it But God knew all along in his sovereignty, his divine sovereignty and providence that you would be here. You are not an accident. Come on, give God some praise. So let God heal you of that today. Some of y'all, that's what you needed. Let God heal that in your heart and in your life. There is a purpose on your life. Now, some of you are thinking, well, what's my purpose? In fact, there's a lot of people. They have finished their career. They are now retired, and they're bored out of their mind, by the way. 
but they're retired and they're like, I don't know my purpose. And so if you don't know your purpose, that's okay, but it's gonna change today. Here's your purpose. Now, little disclaimer. Everybody, every single one of us, we have some individual purposes, right? Some individual specific things, giftings that God gave us to use in a certain way. That is absolutely true. But big picture, this is also true. Every single one of us, you have a purpose. And what is it? It's to glorify God. Just like Adam, just like Eve. Well, how do I do that? You honor and obey God. You do what he has asked you to do, not what you want to do. I figured no one would say amen to that. But that's your purpose. That's when you're living your best life. Not when you live your life how you want to live it, but how God wants you to live your life. I'm preaching a lot better than you're amen to me today, okay? Like, this is true. I'm trying to help you. You find the purpose before you find the purpose. Your purpose is to glorify God. You've got to stop looking for people to complete you. Well, I find that person, then I'll be complete. No, 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 that's not how it works. I joke about this movie all the time. I'm not approving of it, you know, but like Jerry Maguire, right? Famous scene, Tom Cruise, you complete me, right? And she's like, you had me at hello, you know, the whole thing. And I joke about that all the time, but honestly, what's happened from that, it's not this movie's fault necessarily, it's just the culture, the world we live in. But again, we have this wrong mindset with relationships that if I find the right person, then I'll feel complete, but that's not true. It's not true. In fact, I hope you'll write this down, not a slide for this one either, but your spouse was never meant to complete you, they were always meant to compliment you. Big difference. My wife, who's here, I love her with all my heart, she loves me with all her heart, right, baby, you love me with my heart? Yeah, so, make sure. We got witnesses, you know. <laughs> but my wife would say this to me, and it wouldn't hurt my feelings, and I definitely will say it to her, that Isabel, you don't complete me. You compliment me. God is the one that completes me. What, what does it say here? One flesh, one flesh, one flesh. So here's what, a marriage should look like one day that it's one plus one equals one. It's not half plus a half equals one. Y'all with me? You track with me? Bad math, great theology, okay? So stop, single people, single again. Stop waiting until that relationship for everything to be solved. In fact, marriage doesn't solve your problems. It magnifies your problems. <laughs> Having kids, too doesn't solve your problems. We'll just have another kid and that will make everything better. Okay, okay. Come meet with me in my office. I'll tell you a couple of things about having kids. It doesn't solve your problems. It magnifies the problems you already have. And so don't look for the person, find your purpose. And when you're going after your purpose, then you'll find your person. Adam, he's just doing what God told him to do. And as he's doing that, honoring and obeying God, glorifying God, that's when Eve comes around. Your spouse shouldn't complete you. They should compliment you. Now, this is really, really important that we kind of really investigate the original language here. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, okay? So including the passage that we read, Genesis, the first book in the Bible. And when it says helper, you remember reading that? You can see it on your page if you kept your Bible or Bible app open. When it says that Eve was Adam's helper, I really need to define that and go back to the original language because there's been so many, far too many power-hungry men that have used this to try to be little women, okay? And so let's go to what God says, not what that power-hungry man has to say, okay? So in the original language, that word helper, it means literally partner. So Eve was Adam's partner. Isabel, my wife, is my partner. That's what the word helper means. And so here's how this plays out. My wife and I, we are now partners in purpose. 
We are partners together, glorifying God together. We are partners together as we honor and obey what God wants us to do, not what Isabel wants us to do, not what I want us to do, but what God has for us. We partner together. So again, we don't complete each other, we complement each other, we help each other fulfill the mission and the calling on our life. And that is what your life was designed to look like. It's been said before, and I love this, as a great theologian, but Eve was not taken from Adam's feet because women are not beneath men. And Eve wasn't taken from Adam's head because women are not above men. But Eve was taken from his side because we are called to walk side by side to fulfill the purpose of God. And that's the right mindset. And that's what God's word says. And so every one of you, whether, no matter what your relationship status is, you can glorify God. You can honor and obey God. You don't have to wait for your mate to fulfill that purpose. You can start right now. All right, second takeaway, we'll spend a little bit more time on this one. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. Marriage can't last if it's just a contract. Marriage can't last if it's just a contract. And so with Adam and Eve, it wasn't just a paper union. Y'all feeling me? It was more than that. They were physically and spiritually one flesh. And again, this is the standard for every Christian marriage. I know you're not all Christians. I get that. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, you are so welcome here. You belong here. Now, just spoiler alert, if you hang around long enough, you're gonna eventually jump in the pool, okay? Just letting you know. <laughs> just gonna happen. But glad you're here. You don't have to believe to belong. But for Christian marriage, I'm not speaking for the world. I'm not talking about what they say on the news. I'm not talking about this cancel culture that we have in our world. If you don't agree with me, then I hate you and you're canceled and I want you dead. I ain't talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about God's standard, okay? A Christian marriage from the very beginning all the way through the book of Revelation has always been the same. It is one man plus one woman for life. That's God's standard. You can hate me for it, but you got your hate in the wrong person. I'm just preaching God's word, cover to cover. It's one man plus one woman for life. That is the standard. And so my wife and I, it is so much more than paper. Whether the government said, yeah, 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 we're gonna approve this wedding or not, like, like, like we are, we are married. It, it is under God. It is more than just a piece of paper. And there's a big problem in our world because way too many people see marriage as just a piece of paper, that it's just a contract with two consenting adults. You get married in a church by a pastor, and then what do you do at the end? You sign a contract at the end of the ceremony, the wedding certificate. You get married by the justice of the peace to save a little cash, and that's cool. That's a great thing to do if you can't afford a wedding. I get that. But you get married by the justice of the peace, and you, at the very end of it, what do you do? You, you sign a contract. You get married by Elvis in Vegas for $100. And what do you do at the end of that ceremony as he's singing one of his songs, right? You sign a contract. But marriage was never supposed to be just that. A marriage under God is so much more. Think about this even logically for a moment. Maybe you don't agree with the Bible. Maybe you don't agree with me. Just think about it logically outside of this for a moment. What is a contract? 
a contract, you can write this down, it is based on mutual distrust. That's a contract. But you never thought about this before, that's what it is. Why do we have contracts? Because this ain't the 1950s anymore, and I don't believe your word. <laughs> we ain't shaking on it, we can spit in our hands and shake. I don't care, I need something in writing, right? That's what we do. You're gonna have work done at your house. You don't take their, their word for it. You'd be crazy to do that, right? What do you do? You have a contract. I've got a contract because I don't know if you'll do what you say that you're going to do. Maybe you forgot or maybe you'll twist my words or maybe you'll just bail once I pay you the down payment. And so I got a contract. You've signed it. I've signed it. I'm getting rid of the liability. I'm making sure that I limit my responsibility and hold you to your responsibility. We sign a contract because if you fulfill your responsibilities, I'm in. But if you don't, I'm out. And we've taken this and we've applied it to our marriages, but that is never what God intended. A marriage is not supposed to be like this. Marriage is not a contract, it's a covenant. Words sound similar, but they couldn't be farther apart. Not a contract, it's a covenant. So a contract is based on mutual distress, but a covenant is based on mutual commitment. And that's God's calling. Hey, if you don't give God praise, you go all in, okay? Covenant's based on mutual commitment. So marriage is a covenant. I'm gonna teach you a little bit. I've been preaching a lot. I'm gonna teach you a little bit, okay? We're gonna go deeper in this. In the Bible, all throughout, in the Bible, when it talks about covenant, and really especially in the Old Testament, because it's Hebrew, but in the Bible, that word covenant in Hebrew, it's the word berith, and you can write that down, B-E-R-I-T-H, and it means cutting, Okay? So anytime in the Bible, and especially here in the Old Testament, when you see the word covenant in the original language of the word berith, B-E-R-I-T-H, and it means cutting. And every time there is a cutting, there is a shedding of blood, okay? Same way that if you cut your arm, there'd be a shedding of blood. So when you see covenant in the Old Testament, it's that word berith, and it means cutting. And this is very significant. So I want you to think about Jesus for a moment what we just celebrated and remembered in Holy Communion. What are we doing? We were going back to Jesus' sacrifice, the covenant, the new covenant that he has now made for you and I. And what happens when there's a covenant, a cutting? There is a shedding of blood like what happened with Jesus. It goes even more beyond that. In the Old Testament, now we're not Old Covenant, that's Old Testament, but this will help you just kind of picturing the, the significance of this word. In the Old Testament, when they would do a business deal, they actually wouldn't even do a contract. They would do a covenant together. So for example, if we were in Old Testament times and you and I were gonna do a business deal, it didn't matter how small, how big. It could be just a few dollars, it could be multi-millions, millions, whatever it was. If you and I were gonna go into a business agreement, a business deal, it wouldn't be a contract, it'd be a covenant. Here's what they would do. We would take a bull, and we would cut it in half perfectly. And we would separate, I know it's grotesque, but it's what they used to do. And you would separate the two pieces, the two halves. And obviously there'd be blood everywhere. And then what we would do, you and I, is we would lock arms and we would do almost like a figure eight through those bloodied pieces. And as we walked around, this happened every single time. As we walked around, here's what we would say. We are now entering into a covenant. And if either one of us goes against the covenant, 
may what happened to the bull happen to us. That's a serious business deal, right? If you back out, I'm killing you, right? I told my wife that many times, like, you can't divorce me. You'd have to kill me to get rid of me, you know? (laughs) And that's how God designed it. Like, when you say at the end of your vows, married people, every single one, even if you did some crazy vows, even if you wrote your own vows, it's in every single wedding I've ever done. What, what, What happens at the end? Till death do us part. That was always meant to be literal. Not cute, so you can put it on a wall and frame it, you know, in your bedroom. That's cool to do that. Some people even tattoo their vows. I do all the stuff you want to do with it, but it's supposed to be literal language, not figurative language, that you'd have to kill me for us to be done. So this is God's best. This is his best design. So what does that mean? This goes way beyond feelings, okay? We don't feel it anymore. That's okay. Welcome to real life. You're not always gonna feel it. It ain't always gonna be like your honeymoon, okay? Like you're gonna go through some stuff. You're gonna argue. I mean, that stuff's gonna happen. That's real life. But here's what I believe. Choices lead and then feelings follow. So if you don't feel it anymore, keep committing to it. Keep going after it. This is God's design and watch how those honeymoon feelings come back as you stick it out. If you believe it in faith, would you say amen with me? There's a cutting, there's a shedding of blood, there's, there's a sacrifice. That's what marriage is. Describe marriage, sacrifice. Sacrifice, it's not what I want, it's not even what she wants, it's what God wants for us. That is how God intended. It was a covenant. And that's why at the end of every marriage I've officiated, I say, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, awesome. <laughs> now, he, here's what's so interesting about Marriage, and this is true for my wife and I. It's not true of every marriage, but it's true of a lot of them. In fact, I would say most of them. But in my wife and I's marriage, at least, and probably in yours, um, what happens oftentimes is we marry our exact opposite. You know, so my wife is completely different than me, and and it's probably like that if you're married. You know, yeah, you got some similarities. Maybe you have a shared hobby, but but you handle stress differently. You know, you. You got different temperaments, even some of those little funny animations in that video, right? Just somebody's clean, somebody's messy, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not telling you which one, you know, but you got these differences. And what's so interesting about that is those differences were really cute at the beginning, but then they start to drive you a little bit crazy, right? After a little bit of marriage. In fact, I've heard it said this way. I think this is so funny and so true. It'll be on the screen. Before you get married, opposites attract, but then you get married and opposites attack. <laughs> that's true, right? It's like, that's, that's what happens. And so ladies, think about it. You're dating a guy, we'll have a little fun with this, but you're dating a guy and, and you just love how laid back he is, you know? You're like, man, he's so chill. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He's so calm. He doesn't get too high or too low in the situation. And it's awesome when you're dating. And then you get married, and you're like, that man is lazy. (laughs) They attract you, but then it can get under your skin a little bit. Guys, let me pick on you for a second. Before you got married, you were telling your friends, dude, I love how organized she is. I love it, man. It's awesome. She's always on top of it. I need that in my life. I need that kind of structure, bro. It's good for me. And then you get married. And you're like, she's a control freak. 
We got everything color-coded in our house. We get, why do we have to write everything down on the fridge calendar? And when she's not looking, you smudge it a little bit just to get underneath her skin, you know? Before you're married, opposites attract. When you're getting married, opposites attack. So let's take a quick quiz, and we'll kind of end this way. Just have a little fun, and then we'll pray together, and God's going to bring some healing to you. But let's have a little bit more fun. And you can participate just by raising a hand in the room. If you want to do an emoji hand raise, you can do that online. Uh, but whether you're married or not, you can play along with this, and we'll have some fun with it. But how many of you would say, by raising your hand in a moment, how many of you would say that you are punctual, on-time people? Would you raise your hand? Okay, about half of us. Awesome. Put your hand down. Now, some of you punctual people are like, not only am I punctual, Pastor, I was the first punctual person to raise my hand. I was punctual about that. Okay. <laughs> now, how many of you are on the opposite side of the spectrum, and you are chill, go-with-the-flow people? Would you raise a hand? Okay, we've got a few of us here. Awesome, awesome. Put your hand down. You're like, Pastor, I'll get there when I get there. I'm fashionably late. And when I show up, that's when the real party gets going, you know, that kind of deal. Now, what's funny, even about that first one, is, and you, you don't have my vantage point, but, but a lot of you married, it was on the opposite sides of it. All right, a couple more here. How many of you, when you're going on a trip, it's almost like a military operation, and you're like, I want to get to point A or point A to point B as fast as possible? Would you raise your hand? Like you're an intense traveler, okay? Awesome, about half of us. Put your hand down. You're like, Pastor... We're, we're bringing snacks, we're bringing drinks. We are only stopping if we are past the E in our car, right? Like that. And, and by the way, pastor, if the kids gotta go to the bathroom, guess what? They are peeing in bottles. They ain't stopping this car. We've had some mistakes and some messes, but I don't care, we're gonna get there. <laughs> That's me, for sure, I'm like, man, no, we're going, hold it. Now, how many are on the opposite side of this? And you're like, man, I want to enjoy the journey. We're going to take our time. Would you raise your hand a little? Oh, a lot of you. Okay, awesome. Put your hand down. You're like, Pastor, we're going to take a picture of every tree that we see. <laughs> you know, those rest stops that only truckers stop? We actually stop at those rest stops, you know? We have a family devotional right there. <laughs> like, like, Pastor, you know, we, we, we go by the, the world's biggest ball of yarn, and we're going to stop at the world's biggest ball of yarn. Like, Pastor, we take our time, we're, go we're, we're going to enjoy the journey, that we're not in a rush, that's what we're going to do. You're, you're like this, if we see a Bucky's, we, we better believe we're stopping at that Bucky's, right? <laughs> now, even though I like to get there quick, if I see a Bucky's, I'll spend about 45 minutes in that Bucky's for sure. Two more here. How many of you are, are savers, like by nature? Come on, where are you at? Savers? Just a couple of us, Okay. Yeah, you're like, Dave Ramsey, you can put your hand down, you know, financial peace. You're still using cash, the envelope system, you know, that kind of deal. That's you, and, and, and you would trip trying to pick over a penny on the side of the road, right? Like that, that's, that's you, you're a saver. Now, let's be honest. I'm expecting a lot of hands based on what I just saw. But how many of you be honest before the Lord in God's house, safe place, that you're a spender? Let me see. Amazon is dangerous for you, right? Put your hand down. No, actually, 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 can you put your hand back up? Ushers, go straight to these people with the offering baskets. Some of y'all put your hand down real quick. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. We don't have offering baskets like I'm totally joking. But what, what's the point? We're, we're different, right? And even if you have 90% similarities, there's parts of you that are different. But remember, you're never meant to complete each other. Just compliment each other. You're partners together as you glorify God. Now, I want to say this, and then we'll pray just a couple of quick, quick, quick uh, thoughts. Everybody looking at me for a moment. Here's the reality. 
Today, I have given you God's best design for singleness and marriage. There's more details, more practical things we'll get to. I'm even hoping, and I think we're gonna make it happen. One of these messages, one of these uh, weeks this month that my wife and I are gonna preach together and it's gonna be great. And you're like, man, I wanna hear some of her stories, pastor. So you'll get that. And we'll, we'll be unfiltered and make sure that it's real because our marriage is like, it ain't some perfect thing. It's awesome, but it's not some perfect thing. Make a lot of mistakes. But here's what I want you to see. This is why I want you looking at me. Even though I've given you God's best today, I know that's not your reality for many of you. For some of you, maybe you lost your spouse. They died, they passed away. So here you are single again, and you never thought it'd be like this. Maybe you're here today and you've been divorced once, maybe multiple times, and it's almost like a scarlet letter, you know, on your life and you're embarrassed about it and you're hurt and you're wounded. Maybe you're here today and you're still married, like you're still living together, but it's kind of like you're just like cohabitating. It's not really a relationship anymore. It's almost like this transactional thing that you're still paying the bills together or you've got some that you handle, you, they've got some. Maybe you're staying together for the kids. I don't know what the situation is, but no matter where you're at in your relationship status, here's where I wanna encourage you. The goal of today, the goal of this series is not to guilt, not to condemn, but to offer you hope. What I say at the very beginning, there is no one too broken that God cannot heal. There is no wound, hear me, hear your pastor. There is no wound too deep that God cannot mend. And I'm not talking about putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. I'm talking about God bringing real, true healing. Yeah, there's gonna be a scar there, but that scar is always going to remind you of how God healed you. I'll say it to you this way, and this is true for every single one of you. There is no sin too deep that God's grace is not deeper still. So there's hope for you. I feel it in my bones. I believe it with all my heart. Why? Because God says that there is hope for you. You can find healing. Why don't you bow your heads with me, close your eyes. God, I sense your presence. Yes, you're everywhere all at once, you're omnipresent, but there's moments like this where you manifest your presence. That's just a big fancy word that means you make your presence known. Thank you, God, for that. We need your presence. God, I pray first of all for those that are single or single again. Those that have been through a devastating divorce or divorces. Maybe even right now they're in the middle of it and it's gotten ugly. They're walking around broken. I pray God that you would offer them your hope today, that they are not too far gone, that you can redeem and you can heal. And I pray God that instead of leaning into the next person or finding their future spouse, I pray God they would lean in to finding their purpose. What's their purpose? Glorifying you honoring and obeying what you want them to do. Not what they want, but what you want. God, you're the only one that can complete them. Not a spouse, not a person. God, you are the only one. And so they can be whole now, not just later. God, I pray for those that are married. Maybe their marriage is thriving. Maybe their marriage is struggling. Maybe they're just staying together for the kids until they move out of the house. I don't know what the situation looks like, but you know. And I pray, God, that you would heal. In fact, if you're here with your spouse today, would you grab their hand right now in this room and online if you're watching with them? 
Grab their hand. God, I pray your blessing, your protection upon our marriages. The world has showed us such an unhealthy, unhealthy view of what marriage looks like. And I pray, God, you would bless the marriages here at Christ's covenant. I pray, God, you'd protect them from every scheme of the enemy to try to get in and bring division. And that's what the devil does, by the way. God is all about unity, one flesh. The devil will try to get in. That's why you can't even give him a footstool, not even a crack in the door. But he'll try to get in and divide you. So I pray, God, protection over the unity in their marriage. I pray, God, that you would heal. I, I pray, God, that, that you would speak to these marriages right now. And one of the best things they can do today, not tomorrow, today, is to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed it. Would you forgive me? I pray that forgiveness would flow. I pray that pride would fall and that we would all be humbled, walk in humility. Bless and protect these marriages, God. May they, may they thrive. I pray for those that are thriving, that they would find other couples to mentor, not out of a place of perfection, but just being authentic, unfiltered. Because incredible marriages, they don't happen overnight. It's decades and decades of work, of sacrifice. I pray, God, for those that have maybe lost the feelings of love. May you encourage them that we're not led by our feelings. That's not how people of God are meant to live. Choices lead, and then feelings will eventually catch up. They follow. But we make a choice, a decision. This ain't a contract. This is a covenant. There's a cutting. There's a shedding of blood. There's a sacrifice. Until death do us part. And I pray lastly, every head bowed, every eye closed, I pray lastly, God, for anybody who's far from you, who's never surrendered their life to you, Jesus. I pray today would be their day. It's why this church exists. It's why we have sweaters like this with heaven full and hell empty on them. It's why it's our vision and it's all throughout our building, this campus. Because it's our focus. We want heaven full because you want heaven full. And so I pray, God, for anybody that's far from you that today they would surrender. And if that's you, friend, this is how you give your life to Jesus. It's not by your work. The work has already been done, like we said during communion. There's another book in the Bible. You're just listening to my voice. You're just allowing God to speak to you, to your heart. There's another book in the Bible. It's the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this. It shows us how to get saved. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you confess, you speak it out loud, Jesus, you are Lord, you're my God, and you believe in your heart, so you put your faith in Jesus of what he's done on the cross. And if you do that, you will be saved. You can know that you know that you know. You don't have to leave here questioning, you can know, solidified, that I'm a Christian. So if you've never given your life to Jesus or you wanna make a fresh commitment, I'm gonna coach you on what you say and you just repeat after me. You just whisper it to the Lord. It's not a big, big, loud thing. It's just you and the Lord right where you are. You tell him this, whisper it to him. Jesus, I confess that you are God. I confess that you are God. I speak that out loud. You tell him that. Jesus, I also believe that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. I believe it really happened. I wasn't there, of course, but I've got faith that what that pastor's saying and what the scriptures, the Bible says, it's true. So I believe, I confess and I believe. And then you've got to ask him this. You've got to ask him this. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. 
to save me, to rescue me. It's not about me being a good person to earn my salvation. I will never be good enough on my own, but Jesus, you are good enough for me. So I ask you to save me, to rescue me, to heal me, to forgive me of my sin. I commit my life to you. God, I thank you for those that are saying that prayer for the first time or first time in a long time. We give you glory and we join with all of heaven and we celebrate even just one. We celebrate those that have given their life to you. And we ask all these things today in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ or if your life has been impacted in any way, please send us an email at info at We would love to hear your story. And for those that committed your life to Christ, we want to help you on your new journey by sending our free Start Bible Kit in the mail. If you'd like to partner with us financially, simply click on the Give tab at ChristCove.net. There it will take you to a safe and secure page where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift to help us accomplish our vision, heaven full and hell empty. And as always, you can find out more about Christ Covenant on our website or on Facebook or Instagram at Christ Cove Houston. 